Back in 1970, 20 million people in the U.S. gathered to demand greater protections for the environment. This was the first manifestation of what's now become known as Earth Day. Today, the annual event is a worldwide movement with hundreds of millions of people committed to driving positive action for our planet. Welcome back to a special podcast from Ericsson. In this episode, our climate action team celebrated Earth Day by hosting a panel discussion with sustainability experts about what companies and employees can do to create transformational change for the planet. As I mentioned earlier, today is the topic is Earth Day. I would like to do the introduction of some of our speakers who agreed to join us for the next 45 minutes. So I will start with you, Ingmar, from We Don't Have Time. He is the founder and CEO of the social networking and review platform, We Don't Have Time. Dubbed eco-warrior and, uh, by The Sun and Mark Zuckerberg by Friends TV2. Ingmar is a serial entrepreneur with a background in the finance industry. Our next speaker is Emily, who is a climate action program manager at Ericsson. She is responsible for executing the company's climate strategy and program objectives. Emily works closely together with external partners to show how connectivity and innovation drive exponential change in society. I'm also really happy to welcome Joshua, who is an environmental and climate activist who focuses on climate change adaption, disaster risk reduction, and resilience building. He's the founder of Green Africa Youth Organization and has over five years of experience supporting public private institutions, such as the Office of the UN Secretary General's Envoyant Youth, IRENA, and Global Center on Adaption on the Youth Engagement in Climate Action. Last but not least, welcome Mary Claire. She is a Swiss-based youth advocate, global change maker, and speaker for sustainable development and climate action, who aims to inspire, empower, and enable youth to make meaningful, impactful, and positive actions to create a momentum for change. She initiates and leads several associations and movements in the fields of climate action, sustainable development, youth and women empowerment, and education. Uh, for the past 50 years, Earth Day has been celebrated by billions of people around the globe, every year on April 22nd. This year's theme is Invest in Our Planet. Earth Day 2022 is focused on accelerating solutions to combat our greatest threat, climate change, and to activate everyone, governments, citizens, and businesses to do their part. So today, all the discussions and my questions will be around this topic. But enough from me, let's start with the first question. And Emily, I think I will do this question to you. What does net zero mean and what is Ericsson's plan? Thank you so much, Anita. I think, you know, when it comes to climate action and for the, those of you who don't 
follow the discussion too much. It, net zero is the, the new means of verifying your true climate action commitment. So going to net zero is to going towards zero emissions. But we know that through some technologies, uh, problems we have and maybe regional problems, we can't really go fully zero. So then the net comes in. But what the most important is for company is that you can't really just compensate as you can do with, for example, many carbon neutral claims. You take the net zero, you take the whole value chain, scope one, two, and three emissions. So basically the whole value chain, your supply chain, your own activities, and then also downstream in the supply chain, for example, if you have products as we have that runs on electricity, you will need to take those emissions with you. Uh, we need to go towards net zero. So you set a net zero target, but if you can't really go to zero, you can do compensation. And with this new net zero term and following the standards, we actually have more rigor rigorous uh, requirements on the reduction rate. So we follow the one and a half degree uh, trajectory set out by the industry, for example, science-based target, net zero standards from ITU that we follow from Ericsson's side. And then we can do the compensation, the really residual emissions that are left. And those need to be permanent if you have any fossil fuel emissions. And if you, for example, have biofuels or any uh, biogenic emissions, you can actually do compensations in terms of, or neutralization, I would say, in terms of, for example, planting trees or do nature restoration. So it's a more net zero and the standards coming now, it's really a value chain approach with even more rigorous compliance to follow the one and a half degree trajectory set out or ambitions set out by the Paris Agreement. Then, you know, um, I don't know if you want me to take uh, the Ericsson plan as well when I'm talking um, that. Yes, let's do that, Emily. Yeah, yeah, I'm just continuing here. Um, because I think it's quite important that, you know, all businesses across the world set net, net zero targets. But the most important is what you do now, the action, because, you know, net zero, maybe you will be able to achieve 2040, as we do in Ericsson, hopefully. Um, but latest 2050 as a date but it's really long in the future so we need to show that we do action now and then the plan of following this one and a half degree trajectory is so important so within WEARCS and we have set um, first really big milestone of being um, net zero in our own uh, operations or activities so we have our fleet vehicles facility business travel and also commuting and teleworking to go towards net so which means that we really want to go towards zero by 2030 and then we also set an internal or external target of halving our both supply chain emissions and our portfolio in use emissions and just for your knowledge is that, you know, our portfolio use emission is like 93 of our whole uh, carbon footprint of Ericsson. So it's, it's quite big emissions, but we, um, so we work with our customers so trying to reduce that. Um, so for Ericsson part, it's really about action now, not really going too much about the net 40, net zero in 2040, but, you know, really trying to halve emissions by 2030 or even before so we can support climate action. Thank you, Nita. 
Thank you so much, Emily. And I think it was really one of the great points, and, and I think uh, so many of us have been thinking of that, that during the pandemic, uh, all of us have been working virtually and all the, the travel or the business travel was not there. And how, would, how did we collaborate? And now most of the companies are going back to hybrid models. And I think it's really great to point out that the hybrid model can not only support employees' well-being or being flexible and some of the things that we have been used to, but how does that reflect to travel? And what are the different options that we have? Because we, if we go back to the travel and business travel as it was before the pandemic, that actually is not really supporting uh, earthy or investing in our planet and also the net zero ambitions. So I think that was a really, really great point um, And that stood out for me. Yeah, thank you, Annette. And I think it's uh, just for people who hasn't been a part of Ericsson, we have gone out now internally uh, supporting targets of actually reducing our business travel emission by 50% since pre-pandemic. So I think, you know, what you say is it's not only about emissions, it's also about well-being and what we are using our money. You know, we can put that worth into something really useful instead of emitting more. So I think we really, I think we have received quite positive uh, remarks on that, but it's really hard to maybe change people because now they've been locked in. So they, they do want to travel sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily. My next question would be that how can companies like Ericsson support the transition to societal net zero? Ingmar, would you like to start with us on this question? Yes, for sure. Uh, I think what Ericsson is doing regarding their program to reduce emission and uh, develop technology that could do more with less energy and also focusing on many aspects uh, in order to, to reach the net zero target and not just doing it in 2050, but focusing on action here and now is fantastic. But what I like with Ericsson uh, at most is actually that they are also focusing on communicating what they are doing. Uh, and they are involving uh, not just their customers, but they are also involving everyone in their supply chain that needs to sign up on those targets and needs to understand them. And uh, they are advocating for change, not just for uh, their own targets, but also for for everyone they are making businesses with. Uh, and they are communicating that to the general broader public. Uh, if all companies that are acting on the climate and have ambition uh, are doing this, we will see a catalyze of change happening. Uh, because it's the same challenge you have for if you're acting on the climate as an individual, it really doesn't matter. And uh, the same is actually true if you're, a, if you're a company. It really doesn't matter because there is millions of companies out there and even Ericsson is a small fish in a big world. But if you act and inspire others and communicate what you do and drag more people in, the change is coming. Uh, and this is something Ericsson is uh, doing uh, and leading. Uh, and I hope many, many companies will see that this is the way forward and, and 
start to do the same. Uh, it is not only Ericsson, many other companies are now doing it. But I would say, uh, don't ever forget the importance of communication. Uh, without communication, we will not solve the climate crisis. Thank you so much, Ingmar, and, and thank you for the kind words and uh, towards Ericsson. And, and obviously, we are partners. And I think next week and soon, um, uh, we will also have uh, something together from the Ericsson Experience Center. We don't have time. Maybe we can touch upon that. That's uh, we are ending the Twitter spaces today. But I don't know, Joshua, you or Mary Claire would like to share any other tips that companies can to societal net zero. Or would you rather like to take the, the question like individuals? I, I will quickly, um, yeah, I'll quickly um, make a few remarks on the net zero. Um, so hi everyone, I'm really happy to be here. And again, a great job um, that Ericsson is doing. Um, I mean, as part of my work, I'm currently working with the Race to Zero. And for those who don't know this, this is an initiative um, under the UNFCCC with the high-level champions of the climate uh, policy process uh, that is working to get more companies to sort of commit to net zero and work around that. And um, um, Ericsson is also one of the sort of pioneer companies that joined the race. Um, and the process for this has been that companies make a pledge um, and make a pledge on how they're going to you know, sort of meet this 1.5 degree targets uh, and cumulatively work with other partners to do so and then submit a plan on how they're going to do that. Uh, and once they proceed on the plan in terms of implementation, they publish it. And currently, one of the things that we're doing, uh, which I'm working with the high-level champions to do, is to how to integrate equity, fair share, and justice into this process and I know for many people who follow the conversation around sort of um, how do we sort of reach net zero and how that, what does that mean to us? There are a lot of concerns around reaching net zero, but in a very unequal way or in a way that also causes a lot of damage to either workers or to other countries because companies could really reach net zero, but probably not to the betterment of society as a whole. And we know that the climate crisis is also a social uh, justice crisis, um, an environmental justice crisis. And we're currently looking at how best to integrate sort of fair share equity and justice into this model. So this is a reassurance that for, for those who have skepticism around net zero as a concept um, and that we're just looking at reducing emissions, but not looking at sort of systematic changes. Uh, it forms part of the process and it's very important. Um, and for member, for those who are already part of the race, it's very important um, and the taking is very serious in terms of reducing their emissions internally within the organization and companies themselves, um, reducing their emissions through their pipeline and their portfolios. But in addition to that, also looking at how do we make sure that while they go through this phase of you know transitioning to reducing their emissions, they can also, as part of that process, really champion justice, equity, and fair share within their communities. So wanted to add that quickly uh, and invite any company that is listening to us to join the race and commit to net zero. And together we can make that a success. Thank you so much, Joshua. Mary Claire, anything that you would like to add? Absolutely. And also hi and hello from my side. And yeah, just following up with what Joshua mentioned, I think it's very important in all of these discussions around net zero to not forget 
the humans because at the end what we're all striving for is, is a world which works for us where we can live with within the planetary boundaries and very often i think we are getting like into the calculation and trying very hard to go to this zero and we are forgetting that at the end it needs to work for us um and also i i really do believe that we need to have a joyful future where we are looking forward to and there are great um examples on, on how this can work and that's why i think it's very important and i think the next question really also goes in this direction of how the employees and the individuals can support climate action. And with this, I don't only mean reducing your own footprint. And we heard like your efforts and how you're trying to reduce the footprint. But what I think is equally important is really showing leadership in taking bold actions toward the outside. And sometimes um, I, I feel that unfortunately a lot of employees are, are not or do not feel empowered to actually um, really kind of dream and be visionary and, and take the leadership as well, like within the company, you know. Um, to make this transition happen because ultimately what we need are people who have this vision of a better future and really aim for this and i think with the whole net zero conversation we are we are very much aiming for the for this net zero we're we're, we're trying to calculate on how we can reduce the emissions and sometimes um i think while we have to absolutely go to this net zero i think it's very important to also really see the individual leaders and, and how we can transform because Sometimes the, the solutions are actually not only just to reach how can we reduce X, Y, Z, but maybe we can actually get rid of something. Maybe we can do something completely different. Maybe we have to transform a part of our business model. And um, I think it's very important to, to think along this side and really empower the employees and the individuals to be able to actually open up and, and dream about this future and, and try to make it happen. And also a point I think is absolutely crucial is really focusing on intergenerational equity and empowering intergenerational leadership, meaning that um, we are not, the generations itself are not just blaming each other for not doing enough or not doing the right thing, but really seeing how we can together make this happen because we have all unique strengths and especially the, the current um, youth generation is the biggest it's the biggest generation ever on this on, on this planet. And it's a really missed opportunity very often that young people are not taken serious, that young that the ideas of young people are not implemented. Very often there's a lot of prejudice against young people uh, in politics, but unfortunately also in, in companies. And I actually do not know if, if Ericsson is, is doing something in this regard. Um, but I think it's absolutely crucial to really have an intergenerational leadership approach and um, really harvesting the intelligence of the different generations and, and working together um, to make this this transition and, and societal net zero happen in a, in a just and fair but also joyful and um, forward-looking way. Really, really great points, Mary Claire, and thank you. And I don't know, Joshua, um, Emily or Ingmar, anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I may add something. I think that um, engagement from uh, the employees, uh, the people working in the organization, is often overlooked uh, and it's an incredible source of uh, action if uh, the engagement from the employees are rising. Uh, and I think almost all organizations I came across, including Ericsson, could do so much more in this field. Uh, and it could be everything from uh, empowering uh, cross-generation, youth, old uh, people that have worked for for the company long time people that are new to the company etc cetera, etc cetera, to mix people from working from different uh, sectors within the company uh, to uh, and also to focus on the future uh, make them part of the vision 
uh, not don't just let this be something from the management. Let this something be building a grassroots uh, movement within a big organization. I think that is something uh, that could be really, really good for for the climate situation, but also very good for the company that are succeeding in that. And but I will also add something here, uh, and that is uh, money. Uh, I mean, everyone. Everyone loves to do nice things when they talk about it, but their action is often uh, steered by uh, profit, uh, especially companies, but also people making careers within companies. Uh, so uh, we should not forget about money, and we need to make the money work with us, not against change uh, to create a fossil-free society. Uh, and here I would like to highlight a company, a Swedish company called Skanska. Uh, they have just implemented a big uh, bonus system. If uh, the company are reaching their uh, climate targets, uh, their people working with that targets are getting bonuses uh, in their uh, as compensation. Uh, I don't know if this is happening within Ericsson, but I think it should be happening within Ericsson and all the companies in the it race. Do. It do, great. Well, but it's, uh, I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that it's officially approved within some parts. So I will leave it to that. But uh, um, you can do it in different levels within the bonus system as well. And, and I can say that within one level, we managed to do that. Okay, fantastic. Um, and uh, my... Uh, uh, that's it. because everyone can everyone can do something uh, even if it's small action in a big organization and i think that is a really really great point i think so many times and and uh, as you reflected previously like net zero until 2040 2050 it's such a long time away what are the things that we can do and even if it's small steps or small actions all of those small steps or actions will add up to something big. So that is a really great reflection, I think, for all of us, that maybe sometimes thinking big can be actually counterproductive. But if you take the smallest steps, actually those will add up to reaching our main goal. Joshua, anything that uh, you think that you would like to add, what we missed in the, the previous points? And then, yeah. Sebastian, I will also come to super patient waiting <laughs> to either speak ask a question so i will get to you after Joshua. great now a quick one from my side i think that one of the things when it comes to employees and individuals within teams um, and sort of getting everyone to work uh, the, the most essential part of that process is learning i i think that we are at a stage where we all think we know the climate crisis so well uh, and we know what needs to be done but it's, it's pretty much a complex uh, problem still and many often, because we are very used to looking at headlines um, and making meaning out of headline statements, uh, we are very convinced that we know the problem pretty well, and, but we don't. And we don't, not everyone really is on the same page. And we get into a stage of the crisis where everyone has an opinion on it and we don't tend to listen to experts so well. Uh, and we keep saying that the science is clear, but how much of the science is actually known by the everyday person? So for me, an essential part of, getting everyone to act is really being able to learn and understand the extent of the crisis 
Um, I mean, there's this bulky IPCC report, which I understand. I mean, not everyone will have time to read all of that. But how do we make sure that the everyday person has as, as succinct and concise information to really uh, be able to understand the complexity of it? And I will just conclude on this saying that as much as we want to work on sort of, we talk about net zero, and we're working on that. One of the things we're looking at is how to match net zero to resilience and have that going on equal efforts. Uh, because, uh, of course, uh, while we need to reduce emissions drastically, there are already a lot of impacts uh, being felt and already seen. And we need to provide that awareness and that understanding and knowledge around the need to adapt and the need to build resilience against existing impacts. And bringing into, into the conversation uh, practitioners and folks in the disaster risk space and humanitarian space to help us even understand how much of damage is being caused. So I think that a big part of it for the everyday person really is understanding how much of this is being talked about, of course, in everyday uh, in, in everyday conversations, and to understand the depth of that in terms of what needs to be done in different geographical locations. So what we require sort of companies in Sweden, in Sweden or Switzerland or Germany to do will be different from what we would expect to see uh, from companies who are working out of, say, Congo or Somalia. And that sort of differentiated sort of uh, commitment and impact is something that we need more people to be aware of as much as how urgent it is to really build and invest in adaptation and resilience uh, for countries that are already seeing the impact of climate change. I love your points, Joshua. They were so, so relevant. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And Seb's word, you have been really patient. Would you like to share something or ask a question from our speakers? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. So I heard a lot of interesting um, topics covered. I guess the ones most relevant to me would be, I guess, um, employee engagement, because I work for a couple of different companies that are both working on their um, I guess net zero goals but then I also run my own company and um, I think it's quite interesting like what I can accomplish by myself in my own company and the limitations that I have working for a larger corporation um, so I feel like maybe that was slightly addressed I haven't been here for the whole conversation um, but essentially I heard something about this might be the last Ericsson Twitter space so I guess that's my most important question why is that <laughs> No, this is our second Twitter Spaces. So we have um, every other week uh, and different topics that um, we choose topics that are matter to Ericsson and they are also matter to society and they are also trending on Twitter. So we have a calendar and if you also have any preferred topics, just feel free to share it with us and we will look into it. So it is definitely not the last one. Uh, maybe I wasn't clear with that. So we definitely want to continue driving all these discussions because I personally think that uh, there are so many things and whenever companies or individuals just like tweeting or not necessarily engaging Twitter and social audio really gives us that perspective that we can have open discussions. We can bring in some of our uh, amazing experts from, from Ericsson, just like Emily now. And, but we can also tap into other external experts who also have influence either in real life or on, through social media to really have those discussions. Just as we have been discussing, that 
it is not just companies, it's not just governments or not just individuals, but working together for the same goal is really, really important. And also note that sharing different viewpoints or ideas that how do we see that? I think, Joshua, to your point, that it's not just for uh, climate action or net zero, but I think depending on where we are in the world, we might see different topics from different perspectives. And having these open conversations, I think, can help us to understand and also be more open and find solutions or just bright ideas across the globe. So this is why we have started it. And thank you so much for being worried that this is the last one. We will definitely continue these discussions. So thank you. Anita, I have a question for you. Sure. How many employees? I'm the moderator. I should be asking the questions, Uh, but go ahead, Ingmar. Sorry, I've taken the freedom. How many employees uh, do Ericsson have globally? How many employees do we have? Yes. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, um, it's around... 100,000. Yes. Thank you so much, Emily. Sorry. Yeah, I just remember from the annual report. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, that's many, many people you really can trigger change uh, all over this globe. Uh, I want to see them in, in those amazing calls you are doing. Uh, you, you should not forget to invite your own people. That is a great point. And I can see our own Lucy from our social media team who has been a a great advocate and has been sharing it uh, internally through our Yammer um, social media internally that uh, more and more people can join. And I can already see, obviously, we don't have 100,000 people. And uh, I think Twitter spaces only limits listeners to 600. But I can definitely see Ericsson colleagues on this call. And I'm really, really happy to see them as listeners. But thank you for asking that question, Ingmar. It's a really great point because I think, and Emily, I don't know if you want to reflect on that, that it also starts with internal communication, whatever the company does. And you have uh, made this point, Ingmar, before, and I think a couple of you, um, uh, including Mary Claire and, and, and Joshua, that having a strategy or having a goal, but without bringing employees on board and getting their engagement, they back it up and every single day also work towards the same action is really, really key. Anything you'd like to reflect on that one, Emily? Yes, please. Uh, I think it's been so many good points raised. And I think just saying a few of those things, I, you know, when it comes to a company, you know, Ericsson, we're quite big and we've been quite big in sustainability for, for a long time. But just saying that we are, you know, um, maybe a team of 25 people ranging from, you know, the, where climate is one person is basically me. We got a second person right now uh, joining the team. And then you have everything from occupational health and safety and uh, other um, sustainability and corporate responsibility areas like digital inclusion. So, you know, it's not we can't do too much. And what we want to do is to create processes and changes. So for people who don't care about sustainability or the actions they just follow their job and make an impact because we have changed the processes of the work but for the people who want to make an impact we can do more so um, and I, I really wanted to share an example because you know when we discussed earlier what the grassroots engagement can do is that we have we had a supply uh, chain engagements or our um, 
supply chain who is under business area network. Uh, they had this really like I think it was four people engaged in sustainability and then they created this network that started to work with us. And with that, we, we were able, like, you know, not only me working with Climate Action, to, to set some targets and work internally on some programs. And that actually now have reason is that they will start a new line organization within supply. So having four people working with climate action, circular economy. Um, so it's, it's really been changing the way a whole organization within Ericsson starts. And that's only one. We have many more that really now have sustainability persons included in their organization. So it's not only us who's sitting on the sideline and trying to influence. And that is something that have come from our engagement, but also employee engagement, they really want to drive it because, you know, from our side, you, you can't do that much change. You really need to create the, the influence from the company. And within that, we are we are doing employee um, education, as you as you mentioned earlier, is so important, as Joshua said, like that you understand the impacts of climate change, or at least you can read about it more, uh, because it's also hard to do, you know, the really vast knowledge about climate change and what it can affect but what do we do in Ericsson and what can you as an employee do or you know getting that as an education out to people in Ericsson has been our, our agenda this year and we are also raising it so we are trying to get our executive team as well um, having a separate course on climate action and what we are doing internal with Ericsson talking about net zero so they know what we are doing and they can also convene the right messages to our clients and customers because then we can create this change that Ingmar said you know they're really spurring action by many more people knowing um, and then we're helping our customers in their net zero journey, uh, net zero journey and they can also enable society because the ICT uh, solutions that we have can do so much in the industry like you know um, developing these smart grids or smart manufacturing and they can't be without us so we really can make a difference so that was my final point thank you Anita <laughs> thank you Emily and Mary Claire you would like to share something yeah just to follow up thank you so much Emily for for sharing and I just wanted to mention that I think it's really important and I think also it at least it should be the company's responsibility to create spaces and this can be physical but also yeah other like creating momentum um where employees can have like this little window of breaking out of their normal habits but what we see very often is that you know we are we are, we are getting to work we're doing our things and there is very little space for us um to actually like imagine something better how how could the future of ericsson look like or for other companies and i think it's very important that that we're creating these spaces and that we're also supporting um, with, with, with technical content, you know, but also with the leadership skills to actually empower the employees to, to, have, to have a vision and then also having some, some um, possibilities for them to actually further their, their ideas and, and work together with the company and really seeing this as a, as, a, as, a, as a journey. And because I have been actually asked quite a lot for companies to, to bring in some, some youthful visions and very often it was kind of a one-off and then it, I, I thought that it's just not really sustainable kind of giving a one-off in spiral talk by a young person and then basically the young person or myself I'm leaving and then the company is, is trying to do something very often not really doing something I've been starting my own consultancy company really bringing in also the different generations and from our side bringing in um, very young people like Gen Z, Gen X um, to, to bring them to the tables and and really going on the journey, committing to do a journey together and creating these spaces um, for the employees. Um, because I think it's it's an illusion that it's just coming out of nowhere. 
Um, and I think that's why it's very important to give it the attention needed um, and really creating the conditions also like in, in, in farming, creating the conditions that actually the seeds can grow and something can come out and actually afterwards we can harvest something. So I think this is the responsibility of the company to create these conditions and, um, and then really observe what is, what is coming out together with the employees. Yeah, and I think I, it's such a valid point, Marie, but just a comment on that. And I think it's also for different companies that, you know, seed can be so different. Like, you know, we do hackathons and have a next generation board, but, you know, really getting this cross, cross company change um, is important. And I think it can probably look so much different from different companies and what the industry are like you know for example we use hackathons for example you know how can we change you know solutions or business model um and next generation like really trying to raise you know the tech interest about first women and you know within the company uh or producing but you can do so much more uh, and i really hope we get there as fast as possible Absolutely. And Marie-Claire, you inspired me that I think maybe we should also have some Twitter spaces around uh, inclusion and diversity, because I think uh, some of the points that you made that sometimes youth is not seen um, or they don't have the space to speak up. Uh, I think that is something that is, it is really, really interesting how to get a really diverse teams across each uh, gender, doesn't really matter, nationalities, uh, truly to make change, not only to climate action, but to also drive other types of changes. So you inspired me to, to have some thoughts and discussions around that. But now, since that we are getting close to, um, we have, I think, just slightly, uh, almost uh, less than 10 minutes. So my last question to be uh, to all of you, the outlook for the rest of the year when it comes to climate action events. I think um, uh, there will be quite a lot of uh, events on Earth Day, but we also know that Earth Day should be every single day. So what are the different ones during this year where each one of you are focusing on or would you like to highlight to our listeners? Who would like to start? Yeah, I don't mind. Um, so currently I'm working on a campaign I call NFTs for SDGs. So that's um, working with Web3 to try and raise awareness for climate change or climate action. And I do that personally just by creating profile picture art or short animations for people who contribute to social causes. Um, I like to focus on mental health because I think there's a lot of links between mental health and climate change. But I like to create, I guess, artwork for people who are contributing in any way. And that's just my way of um, helping out. Thanks for sharing. That sounds, sounds amazing. I said, uh, I know NFTs is uh, the new ish and a lot of uh, people are looking into it. So very interesting to see you leverage that for, for the SDGs in general for climate. Um, I think from my side, quickly, the sort of a bunch of events. Um, there is going to be um, the Disaster Risk Reduction Global Platform in Bali. And they're a sort of important place to be because looking at climate disasters and what countries really need to build uh, sort of resilience infrastructures um, to withstand these effects, but also hearing from the humanitarian sector to understand much better sort of in terms of impacts and damage. Um, and I think sometimes we need 
those data and that sort of concern and fear to be able to know really the scale of the impact we're dealing with. Um, another event which I find very important for this year is the Oceans Conference, which will be um, at the end of June and early July, I think 27th to 1st of July in Portugal. And that is to say that, I mean, the oceans still remains one of our biggest allies uh, in terms of fighting the climate crisis and for biodiversity as well. Um, and that is um, one event that sort of really hoping for it to see what will come out of that in terms of uh, concrete actions and commitments, uh, also finance um, from different stakeholders to really start working on different protected areas, um, as well as different policy changes, uh, cross-boundary uh, uh, policy changes to protect our oceans. And I think, obviously, uh, COP uh, uh, in Egypt is an important part of our conversation when it comes to climate. Um, and, I mean, the pre-COP itself and the COP, and, of course, the youth community would have the Conference of Youth, and these are all events that we're looking forward to. But in general, I want to say that, you know, there's a lot of events uh, every year around the um, sort of climate and in the end what is really really important is that for all of us who participate in these kind of conferences and for those who are seeking to participate that the events themselves are always a good place to talk and to network and to brainstorm and all of that but the most essential part is the progress that comes afterwards and as we know as a lot of promises have been made um, and Stockholm plus 50 for instance sort of 50 years after the declaration and promises have not been delivered, and the same with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. So it's about time that like, urging everyone to really use this moment to start asking the questions around accountability and stock taking, so that we can give we can give ourselves a very good realistic uh, sort of um, explanation to why we're not able to make the progress we seek to make and the commitments we give, and the promises that both companies and governments and, and everyone sort of tend to project that okay we're going to get there by 20 days by 20 that uh, is it going to happen because none of the past ones were able to be achieved and i think that is very important so great events coming up important conversations but accountability is, uh, is an important part of that and stock taking is essential as well and we need to keep our eyes on that absolutely i can just follow up on this and i, I don't think actually it's not only important what is coming up but actually what we're doing until then and um, yeah, just a few others. I mean, there is there are three conventions um, equal to the or two others for the climate negotiations. So the climate negotiations mentioned is is in is in November in in Egypt, but also actually next month there is the one um, working on combating desertification. It's also a really really important issue, and without um, combating desertification, we also cannot solve the climate crisis. And it's going to be um, the Ivory Coast, and hopefully. Um, at one point this year, we are going to have the negotiation around the bio, um, biodiversity, which has been postponed many, many times and is also absolutely crucial, um, especially we also talked about uh, before net zero. But how is net zero implemented? Just having like huge monocrop culture is not going to be the way we need. Um, so there's like also a lot of th thematics which are really cross-cutting. Also, um, the review process of all the sustainable development goals. Um, the so-called high-level political forum is going to happen in New York in in the um, beginning of July. It's also a big momentum where we can also see how all of the different 
um, SDGs are working together and will also leverage on this um, interconnections. So I think there is, is a lot um, to do. We can already really like right now um, start start working on. And yeah, also, as mentioned, there, there are many in-between um, conferences where, where they're going to more in details. And I think actually they are very, very crucial because this is very often where the changes are happening, um, not only at the big conference like the COP27, but there's so many um, smaller points in between. And also just wanted to make a big shout out um, to really try to um, yeah, be as inclusive as possible and really also um, think with the next generation in mind and take the current um, generation, young generation on board for all of these um, processes. Thanks, Mary Claire. Emily Ingmar, would you like to highlight some of your uh, events? Yeah, I would like Ingmar to start. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> as, a, as our great partner for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I would also like to say that uh, fantastic uh, to see uh, what's happening inside the Ericsson organization. And uh, I, like, I like the create, creative to bring in creative and mix people to make sustainability fun uh, because that will drive change itself. We can't have this as a boring topic. We, it must be fun to say the word. Uh, and creativity is a great source of power there. Uh, and hopefully we will have some creativity on Earth Day, 22nd of April. That will mark the fifth anniversary of uh, year anniversary from We Don't Have Time. Back in 2018, uh, companies did not have um, digital meetings. Uh, it was before Corona and everything. So we came up with a creative idea to create a no-fly international climate conference. And we brought in speakers from all over the world. We hoped to have someone from Space Station. We didn't succeed with that, but we had people from Arctic Station and, and stuff like that. And it was never done before. Uh, no one was allowed to fly and we succeeded to have an international climate conference and we actually calculated that we saved 74,000 tons of carbon dioxide compared to if everyone was had flying. Uh, so it's very special for us to do this conference uh, for the fifth Earth Day. Uh, and we're, this time we're going to do it from Ericsson headquarters in Chista. They have landed us their great studio that's also a perfect opportunity to engage more employees, drag them into the action, and to influence the world. Uh, last year, we had, I think we had 5 million viewers. We were working together with Twitter on those broadcasts. And this year, we have theme is actually nature in the race to zero. So we're going to talk about how to mix tech and nature as the solution. Uh, and we have a great lineup of speakers, everything from... Inger Andersson, head of UNEP, uh, to ex-CEO of um, Reddit that now has funded a climate startup for biodiversity and seed planting. Uh, very interesting. And we also have Boris Johnson's father joining and he, he is a climate activist. So you can't imagine that. And many, many, many more. So don't miss the Earth Day uh, broadcast 22nd of April and you can you can sign up for it totally free, open for all, uh, on weedonthetime.org. Thank you, Ingmar. 
And I would actually like, before you go, Emily, uh, I would like to encourage all the listeners to make sure to follow Emily, Mary Claire, Joshua, and also We Don't Have Time. I think if you would like to know more about climate action, net, net zero, or any other topics, what individuals, companies, or governments can do, learn more about the topic, have be part of the discussions, please do make sure to follow them. I think it's going to be a really, really beneficial connection for everyone else. And Emily, I think we are slightly over time, and, and I also see that uh, some people wanted to speak, but I think we'll have to close. So any uh, last remarks that, what are the events that you are looking for whenever it comes to climate action this year? Thank you so much. And I think both Joshua and Marie had said so many um, awesome events. And for us, you know, from a business perspective, we we have had uh, the need to limit. So we will start with Earth Day with Ingmar having from the studio. But then we will look forward to the Stockholm Plus 50 uh, conference in June uh, and then going to the UN week or the UN General Assembly week and Climate Week in September where we are, of course, going to be uh, present uh, either digitally or physically, hopefully digitally, so we don't fly. Uh, and then, of course, for COP27 in Egypt, where we also will have events uh, with We Don't Have Time. So I think we we have a few great events coming up. And on the Ericsson Climate Action webpage, we, we, uh, we list all the events with We Don't Have Time. So you can also sign up from there if you don't find finding the, the news, but really talking about net zero, the road there, what we can do and really sharing the action we are doing today with you all. So I really hope that you can join and, and spread the word. Thank you, Anita. Thank you so much, Emily. And thank you so much for all of you uh, taking the time to speak. And Mary Claire and Joshua, I don't think I've mentioned before that you have been part of the Ericsson Innovation Awards. Um, and uh, that is something that we will also discuss because obviously this year we will also have Innovation Awards. So we might invite you for further discussions. But thank you so much, Ingmar, Joshua, Mary Claire, Emily, for taking the time and signing up to be speakers. Um, Seb Words, I would assume that you're, uh, you're Sebastian, but if not, then my apologies. Thank you for joining the discussion, um, adding value to it and, and also asking questions. If you didn't have the chance or you have uh, to ask questions, please make sure to tweet using the hashtag Ericsson chats, mention any of our speakers who we'd like to get the answer from, and we can continue the discussion of from audio, but in tweets. Thank you so much again for joining. Soon we will uh, share the next uh, Ericsson chats, which gonna be Twitter spaces on April 20th. If I'm not mistaken, I made a mistake and you will see it in a tweet. So thank you again for joining and taking the time. Thank you all. Speak soon. Have a great day. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.